Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the Horseshoe. It was Ohio State 28, Penn State 17. We're in the bowels of the stadium on a rainy Saturday as uh, Rapid Reaction kicks off here, brought to you by Byers Auto. Uh, the undefeated Buckeyes have won the Big Ten East Division. They will go to Indianapolis to play for their third consecutive Big Ten title. And uh, boys, Tim May, Jeremy Birmingham, I'm Austin Ward. This one was a little bit uh, uglier than maybe we would have thought. It was a little bit wetter and a lot more fumbles. Uh, but it was still a double-digit victory for the Buckeyes. Lesson relearned, uh, number 455, uh, turnovers do matter. Turnovers change games. The uh, Justin Fields fumble going in for a touchdown there early changed this game. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously a couple more of those after that. Uh, he and J.K. Dobbins changed the game. But Ohio State still had so much going for it from an offensive standpoint. The, the pass to Chris Olave, which kind of put it away, and then the defense, which sort of had to refine itself when uh, – when Penn State had to go with his backup quarterback, Will Le- Levis, he decided he was going to run. He was going to be Juice Williams. <laughs> and uh, he got away with it a little bit, but Ohio State adjusted and finally took control again. And here they are going to Michigan unfettered. They've clinched a Big Ten East title, but, of course, they want more, much more than that. It's a really weird feeling, not just this game, but even where it goes from here, Burn, because at halftime it was 14 to nothing. It felt like it should have been double that for Ohio State. You had the three fumbles, obviously. That was a big part of it. One going in for Justin Fields, two in the third quarter when Penn State gets back into it. But I just can't like, – it felt like Ohio State dominated. Then they had to fight. Now you go into next week, and the stakes aren't going to be there for the rivalry because everything is already ahead of Ohio State with the Big Ten title game and the college football playoff. It's just – I can't remember leaving here with such a weird feeling about a game. Yeah, I asked a number of people, a number of players post game, does next week – does this week matter if they lose next week? And to a man, they all said no. So, I mean, obviously that's what they're going to say, but – I think that they are focused on understanding that beating Michigan is is a prize in its own right. And I, you know, I, we've talked all year about wanting almost to see Ohio State get tested. Yeah. And every week, you know, and we've also said over and over, maybe the only team that can beat Ohio State is Ohio State. And we saw a lot of those things come to fruition today. We also saw the return of Urban Meyer as head coach. Uh, so, so we're channeling. Wow. Ryan Day was channeling. Him. So wow. um, you know, I think that Ryan Day he talked about it in the post in the post game that he he admits he went a little conservative, and I I guess it's fine to do that. And when you know that you have a defense playing as well as the Buckeyes was, and you have the return of the best player in college football who played like the best player in college football, it makes it easier. But yeah, I mean, it's not one of these games where you leave it going, oh, that that was great for Ohio State and bad for Penn State, but it's an eleven point win. I, I'm not sure that. I know what you're saying, but I don't know if conservative is the right word. I mean, Ryan Day proved in the first half that fourth and four or five, it could have been a field goal to go up by 10 points. I'm thinking Urban's probably kicking that field goal and not uh, you know, turning Justin Fields loose. I think Ryan Day made a lot of calls today that showed he knows where the strengths of the team are. He, he did punt one late, and he thought maybe he could go for something else. Well, he should have punted another one late instead of almost getting Justin Fields killed, yeah. which was a, as peculiar of a decision as I think – I will ever see from an Ohio State head coach. Yeah, and so I don't know. I Initially, I thought, especially at, by halftime, that Ryan Day had coached a really good game. And obviously, he's trusting Chase Young in the defense, as you alluded to and Tim talked about. Uh, you know, But 
that third quarter was just weird because you talked about Ohio State beating itself. That's that's exactly what it did. Yeah. And it was weird to watch them because it was so out of character for them. I'm not trying to diminish. Penn State's number eight in the country, by the way. Yeah. They're pretty good. But they got they got less aggressive. Aggressive. Yeah. Maybe conservative may be the wrong term. But when we were sitting there in the press box, and I saw a couple of times Chris Olave in a one-on-one situation, you could see it from the from the jump street, and they were running the ball, you know, on on a third down. Yeah. That told me. That told me what the thinking was. But, but what really also, stunned me is how they came into this game intent on running it down Penn State's throat, the number oh, yeah. two team in the country against the run. And for a while, they, they did get it done when they were hanging on to it. The football was very slippery in that, in that third quarter, and yeah. that's something to take into consideration. The rain that was coming down was almost like a ice particles. Yeah, like pellets. I mean, I was kneeling on the ground, and my knee slipped out <laughs> once because it was really slick out there. So if you weren't prepared for that sort of game with the weather gloves or armbands or whatever – the, the J.K. Dobbins fumble was very just nonchalant. And, yeah. and Justin Fields just got – I mean, that should have been overturned anyway because his knee was down, but c'est la vie. Uh, <laughs> I think that, you know, you, you see say that, that now. You see that moment. You see that moment. But, like, again, Ryan Day alluded to it in postgame. He pulled the entire team together in that moment yeah. and said, guys, what are we doing? And, uh, you know, it, it clicked and everything got back kind of on track. And uh, – it's kind of like pulling everybody together on your boat when it's got a big leak in it, yeah. you know, and everybody starts bailing and uh, get everything straightened out. They just, they plug the leak. If you just sit there, you are going to sink. Yes. And so everybody started working, and I think it changed that. I mean, Ohio State only scored one more touchdown after that. Uh, a hell of a catch by Chris Olave. Uh, a great throw by Justin Fields, too, just to get yes. it out there. The wind was blowing pretty good. Berman's obviously talking about how bad this weather was. And it, it's kind of weird for us to talk about this here on Rapid Reaction, brought to you by Byers Auto, where it feels like, a disappointment for Ohio State, and they won by 11 against the number eight team in the country. I'm just gonna, saying it again, just to hammer it home. And at the same time, we haven't even talked about Chase Young. Three more sacks. Uh, was it four tackles for loss? Two forced fumbles. Nine total tackles. Yeah. Anybody who thinks that his Heisman campaign was over because of the suspension, uh, wrong. He's going to New York. I'm telling the greatest you. sacking season in Ohio State history now at 16.5. Oh, he's a one away, a half away next week. Become the all-time sack leader in the Big Ten history. Did it look to you guys upstairs that 53, the left tackle for Penn State, jumped, false started every single pass Chase, play? See, Chase, Chase Young was held on virtually every play. Oh, my God. There were tons of false starts that I thought were ignored. The guys, get, guys run and rock back in his stance. And then there were things that Chase Young today, did today that didn't even show up. The false starts they called, how quickly Sean Clifford in the first half was trying to get the football out of his hand, uh, the bad snaps. Penn State was very well aware that it had to do something to stop. Chase I'm going to demonstrate. This was one of their techniques: is blocking in and then wrapping their, you know, the tackle wrapping his arm around him. And Chase would, to his credit, didn't go crazy, but he would turn around like, you know. Yeah. So there was something in Chase today, and I don't know what it was in the fourth quarter, especially. He was getting the play I don't again. know if it was the. I don't know if it was the feeling of constantly being held or whatever, but multiple times. So when Penn State's final possession, they they fumbled the snap, they call a timeout, and Chase two or three separate plays in a row went over and started pointing at the Penn State sideline and pointing at James Franklin. And I'm not trying to make any weird okay. things weirder, but it was weird. It was unusual. He moved he around there and heard he, what he was he saying. He also had, at one point, I think in the third quarter, a long discussion when an official came over to talk to him. Yeah. Tim Tim and I were watching and I said, well, maybe he just wants his autograph. I yeah. don't know, but it was he wasn't going to help him get a He was flag, a headlinesman. But, yeah. but I think it and I asked, I waited for Chase Young to finish with his press conference, and I got him in one of the hallways upstairs. And the first thing he, he said was like, man, are they ever going to call a hold? 
And then the second thing was just kind of about he kind of like let all the emotion out from this game. And you, you could see how much this one meant to him. And now it's in my mind, like, which one was better? Was yeah. the Wisconsin game as good as this one? The, the stats aren't going to match up. But he was so incredibly dominant today. And yeah, so that's seven sacks and four forced four fumbles against and, Wisconsin and Penn State. Yeah, I mean, this. well, this was on par with that. I mean, it's, it's crazy that in the two biggest games, this is what he delivered. I'll tell you what I learned today, uh, and I was asking other players about it. I want to write about this later on. What did Justin Fields prove to his teammates? Mm-hmm. And, they, you know, they all said, well, we always knew he was tough. But when you put the ball in your quarterback's hands 20, 25 times to carry it, yeah, he had a couple of fumbles, big gaffes, clearly. Yeah. But the bottom line was, this is why you get a Justin Fields to play for your football team because the X factor is huge in a game like this, just like it will be next week, yeah. just like it will be in Indianapolis. And everybody kind of held their breath for him. You alluded to this as well earlier on. That, that run for Fields, the last one, I mean, that's the season. It was flashbacks. He to fumbled 20. on that play too. And he put the ball on the ground. He landed on it. Um, yeah. Now, Ryan Day said he's okay. I think there was – He did go back out. There was something – But we didn't get to talk to him after the game, so that's interesting. Ben, ben Victor was out there with him. I think K.J. Hill and Ryan Day were checking on him. And it was like everybody knew how important that was. Yeah. Chris Juggernaut is not going to go into Ann Arbor. Yeah, I don't way. know if he got the wind knocked out of him or something or how exa- – I mean, I couldn't see it from where I was. But he fumbled on that play. And I'm telling you what, if he doesn't land directly on that ball, it's a Penn State it's touchdown. the other way. And that's – so that was a weird one to close it out, but – the point was that Ryan Day said that Justin Fields is okay moving forward. I, I'm, I was wondering if there was something like with his thumb going on at some point with the throws. Uh, I mean, this guy's Tim. You said he and yet, carried it 20 plus times, but he kept coming back out there to deliver. And he threw in the second half two of the prettiest touchdown balls you're going to see. That's what I'm saying. You know, well, was there something going on there? Because I mean, like I said, it was literally like Ryan Day put the passing game in his back pocket for a while, like they're. You know, I understand being not aggressive in certain situations, but those were moments that almost called for it to yeah. kind of like take the game by the throat again, and he didn't get it done. And then, like you said, the, the pass to Chris Olave is about as nice a throw as you're yeah. ever going to see, coupled with about as nice a catch as you're ever going to see. And you know, I'm a, a big line. I mean, Chris Olave ought to be being targeted 15 times a game. <laughs> if you watch him, just watch him. He's open he's all the time. He's special. Um, this was like the reverse 2015 Michigan State in the second half. It was like, yeah. let's just well, it was run kind it of like exclusively. Penn, it was kind of like 2016 Penn State where Ohio State was completely dominating the game. They just had a couple weird things happen, and then all of a sudden you were in a, a weird one. Yeah. Uh, while, while Tim uh, deals with the water over here. It's Burn, raining. Yeah, Burn, quickly, uh, you, you got some comments from Dr. Cooper last night. He's coming back. He's going to use a you red shirt. He's got one more opportunity to play. What What does that mean for Ohio State? How difficult was that decision for him? What, what do you make of it? Well, I mean, obviously it's a difficult decision. A guy, he's a, a captain. He's a former five-star recruit. He's come in here and he's a, played a lot, but has never played up to the level he thinks he should or could. Uh, the ankle injury this year has put him in a position where he has not been able to be himself. And um, You know, we kind of hinted or felt that this might be coming, but doesn't mean the decision was easy. I did talk to his parents uh, on the way up to the press conference today, and they said that it was entirely his decision, uh, but that Ohio State selfishly wanted him to return. Um, but they also said that for for Jonathan, the decision was, I can be better, and I can help myself by coming back. He's going to graduate from, from college here in a month. Yep. He's going to have a year of working out, growing, 
working with Larry Johnson. And oh, well, look I, at what some of these fifth-year seniors did today. You know, I think what's interesting with with uh, with Jonathan is body-wise, he's never been what you would look at as an Ohio State defensive end, right? So he's in that 6'3", 240, 250 range. And I wonder if as they go along with him, if there's a potential for his development to maybe get him to do some more stuff standing up. If he wants to play in the NFL, I think his future might be as a as a 3-4 linebacker. And so I think that there's some opportunities there because yeah. the opportunity, Justin Hilliard may return. You got Cade Stover moving down the defensive line. You have all these other options, uh, the stepping up of, of guys like Tyler Friday and Tyreek Smith and Zach Harrison. We've talked all year about how important multiplicity is for this Ohio State defense. Mm-hmm. And then you have just one more layer, I think, that gets added with Coop coming back. And at the risk of being, you know, an emotional whatever. For those kids, this is a huge decision. And so Justin Hilliard not walking today after everything he's been through in the, in the last five years. Obviously, that's speaking to his intention to return for a sixth season. Yeah. And then to go out and get a touch, uh, an interception on a game-deciding drive. Yes. Um, it's just awesome. And it's almost you, poetic. You can see that there's a different vibe with, with this group of kids than there was 10 years ago. And, and as somebody who watched Ohio State all my life. I you mean, know, we, we don't, you don't necessarily root, but you, you know, you see you, these guys from when they're pups, pardon the expression, you know, and you see them go through ridiculous stuff, sometimes oh yeah. just to play. Yeah. And you, you do feel good for Justin Hilliard for having a, you know, we felt good for him a well, couple of weeks not, ago. We're not robots. I mean, the kids exactly. out there. Yeah. We're not rooting for the team, and, and, but and, I'm and, rooting for the players. But Jonathan Cooper, I mean, are you kidding me? Preseason camp, you suffer this really pretty bad uh, grade, whatever you want to call it, high ankle sprain, have surgery to help fix it, you know, and and you're just, you know, you're not in their minds of what's going on. Are you kidding me? It's my last year, blah, blah, blah. And uh, this ability to come back and maybe play another year is a godsend for him, I'm sure, because he, he's got business left, un, left undone. And like uh, Berm pointed out, he may have some flexibility yeah. that he'd like to uh, exercise in a, in, a, in a fifth year. Ohio State actually has some flexibility with him, too. They can use him once more this season. They didn't today against Penn State. They probably won't next week in the game, but we're going to start turning our focus to Michigan as Letterman Road gets ready uh, for the final week of the regular season. Can't believe that it's here already. Ohio State clinched the East Division. They're going to Indianapolis in two weeks. We'll have all that coverage, too. He's Tim May. He's Jeremy Birmingham. This has been Rapid Reaction, brought to you by Byers Auto. I'm Austin Ward. We'll see you next week. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that you know Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com/live.